0: Now I myself am not much of a salesman, in fact, I ha- hate selling things, do a terrible job at it. But it's amazing when I can be a salesman. I remember especially when I was out of the state, and I was uh, studying out in Maryland, that I was one of the best salesmen for Wisconsin, you know? Everything about Wisconsin is good, right? You got cheese curds, you got brats, you got the Green Bay Packers, what's not to like, right? And it became that, you know, even more important for me when I was around with people who didn't, who didn't know how good Wisconsin was, right? You know, and so I'd bring Wisconsin, you know, cheese curds back. I'd talk about the Packers, right? You know, kind of a salesman in some ways for Wisconsin. Well, we ourselves can, of course, do that even, you know, when we're not out of the state. When somebody's visiting, I know one of the things that I always check if they're visiting Wisconsin is like, well, you ha- have you had any fr- fresh cheese curds yet? No? Well, you need to go to the local, you know, grocery store and pick them up right, right now. And they'll squeak when you eat them, you know. And you've you got to tell them and, you know, educate them and kind of guide them in, you know, what it's like to be in Wisconsin. Well, we have many things that are important to us that we don't always realize until we notice someone who doesn't know that information. I didn't realize how good Wisconsin was until I went to a place where it wasn't Wisconsin. And sometimes we notice that as well sometimes when uh, in culture as well. I don't know about you but sometimes you'll be talking about something, you know, and the other person hasn't seen or, or heard about it. You think about, for myself growing up, Hogan's Heroes was a very important show for me. You know, we watch it and To find somebody who doesn't know about Hogan's Heroes, I'm like, wait, what? You don't know what Hogan's Heroes is? You're missing something in your life, you know? You've got to, you know, I want to tell them about it and how funny it is and how good it is. You know, If somebody is you know, talking about Star Trek, and they're like, you know, live long and prosper. And somebody's like, well, what are you talking about? Well, you know, like, this is an important part of, you know, like, our culture as a whole. And when you find somebody who doesn't know something that you assume should be importantly known, you're kind of surprised, and you've got to help, you know, educate them in it. You know, think about if somebody was living in Wisconsin and had never heard about the Green Bay Packers. Like, what you do is you'd, you'd, you'd be like, you've never heard about the Green Bay Packers? Like, well, let me tell you, you know? Like, you've got to know about Vince Lombardi. You've got to know about Lambeau. You've got to know about, you know, uh, you got to know about the Ice Bowl. You've got to know about Brett Favre. You know, you you got to know all these things because you live in Wisconsin. How do you not know about this history so that even if the Green Bay Packers have a mediocre year, you still know that they're great, right? Because they have this history. It's not just... Right now, and you'd sit down and you'd spend time and you'd say, "Well, let's go watch a game, you know?" Well, we've got many things that sometimes we don't imagine ourselves being as a salesman, or don't imagine us ourselves being that excited about. But yet, we can be, because they're important. I think about for our country, how important it is to realize our history of our country. That if someone just takes everything for granted today, well, no, what we have today in the United States has not always been what we've had. The fact is, is that we had to fight for it. Right? That there was a revolutionary war. That it almost was lost at one point with the Civil War. And was almost broken apart. But yet we fought to keep it together. That we have a constitution that guides us. And I know for myself, you know, that I myself was in fourth grade when the Twin Towers happened. You know, and how important that has kind of guided our country in the last few years. And I'm just always absolutely shocked and amazed when I imagine that some people weren't even born when that happened, right? And how much it affects our culture as a whole today, even though that was something in the past. We ourselves, as we come here today, realize that we're living in, in a church that I think has sometimes forgotten our past. Sometimes forgotten why we're here, why we're here and what it's like and, and why it's like it is. But it's so important for us to know the past so that we know where we are. It's important for us to know where we are and what's important. And that we should be excited About the things that we have in the church today. But yet, what do we experience often with the church is we often experience apathy. Where 75% of Catholics don't come to Mass on Sunday. We have many Catholics who openly, you know, disagree and dissent from church teaching, who don't believe in the true presence of the Eucharist, who who just don't, don't agree, but yet are still, were raised Catholic. Well, what, what happened? I think to a large degree is, is we forgot what was important. I just started reading this book, which is Strangers in a Strange Land. And I just got through the first chapter, and of course, you know, if you quote somebody, then it's a lot more important, right? Then it takes more weight. So I'd like to quote one specific paragraph from this, which is from Archbishop Chapuse, the Archbishop of Philadelphia. And he writes in here, he himself is part of the baby boomer generation, and he's kind of talking about this, you know, like, why why we have such a difficulty in the church today kind of understanding who we are and what's important. He writes, the reason the Christian faith doesn't matter to so many of our young people is that too often, it didn't really matter to us. Not enough to shape our lives. Not enough for us to suffer for it. So often Christianity doesn't matter because it wasn't handed on. It's not handed on. Is it something that's worth suffering for? Is it something that's important in your life? I guess when you see this as uh, often happens, that... Generationally, it's very difficult to pass on something that's important unless you talk about it, unless you live it out, right? It's easy to pass on a Green Bay Packers, as a Green Bay Packer fan, if you talk about it, if you watch the game on Sunday, right? You spend that time, you invest it. It's quality time. Well, do we do the same thing with our faith? Is it quality time? Is it something that's important that we talk about the history of it? We have so many good things in Christianity, so many good things in our Catholic Church to be able to talk about, to be able to know. We've got an amazing list of saints. We have so many saints in our church. Sorry, I want to backtrack. I didn't follow my outline. Uh, so, <laughs> it's so, it's so hard to pass from generation to generation. So, in fact, it's not just a problem of today's generation with so many different changes. It's a problem of every generation. It was the problem of Exodus, that as soon as the people got into the promised land, the first generation that wasn't in the desert forgot about God, forgot about the laws of God. Nehemiah today and Ezra, the priest, are talking to a people who have forgotten about God. They were, Israel was defeated, and a lot, a majority of the Israelite people were exiled to Babylon for over a hundred years. And Ezra and Nehemiah are bringing back for the first time these Israelite people who have lived out of the promised land, who who have kind of forgotten about God and what He does. And so they bring these people back to Jerusalem that's in destruction. There's no wall, the temple is destroyed and how they want to start and rebuild The people's understanding of who God is, is that Ezra stands up and he reads about the Word of God. And the people's response are what our response should be often. This attentive reading, that Ezra stood up there all day reading the law of God, interpreting it for the people, and the people were moved to tears. Now, I don't think any of you are going to be moved to tears today, okay? It's just not, uh, I, I realize, not quite the homily that I'm giving. But we should be, at times, moved to tears about what God has done in the world, what God has done in our life, that He sent His very Son to save us, that we ourselves on our own are lost, but with Him, that we are guided, that we are given hope. Ezra specifically is reading from the law of God, which often we take about laws and that they, you know, that they block us in. That's not freedom. But yet when we talk about the Lord, the law of the Lord, it should be refreshing. I love the psalm today. If you picked it up, it says that the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul, giving wisdom to the simple, rejoicing the heart, enlightening the eye. That this is what we have within the law of the Lord. Not something to be avoided and kind of ignored. Or kind of like, yeah, there's the law of the Lord, but uh, (laughs) we do whatever we want, right? But no, the law of the Lord is good. It's refreshing. And how refreshing it is to the world when we live it out. But so often we don't live it out. We We don't share those important things with the world. We're often belittled and marginalized in our Christian faith in the world today. And we're told to keep it private, right? Keep it private. Well, believe whatever you want, but just, just don't let it influence anybody else. Keep it private. But religion has always been something that's been public, that's always affected the entire world. And if it was only private, we would live in a very different world than we live today. We often forget about the effect that Christianity has had on the whole world as a whole. I'd like to just, I looked up a whole bunch of statistics of the way that Christianity has affected the world. And so one of the things that we have to understand is that Christians have always been ordered towards charity in the midst of it all. It's very different than the world that they lived in. They chose to live in charity and to serve those around them. In fact, there's early accounts, in the very earliest, where cities would be experiencing disasters and people would be running away from the city and Christians would be running towards the city to help. One of the things is that uh, hospitals are not what we just imagine today. That In fact, the first non-military hospital was built and and established by Christians in 300 after they weren't uh, persecuted anymore. In the 11th century, hospice homes for those who are dying to die in dignity were first built and run by Christians. At that same time, the university system was set up in a Christian context and was supported by the Catholic Church that was only able to happen because of the worldview and of the support of the Word of God. In the 13th century, the scientific method... The scientific method that we know today, and we just relate with science as a whole, was actually started and pioneered by Francis Bacon, who was a Franciscan friar, who was a religious priest. And so, the scientific method, as opposed to not, is in fact not contrary to Christianity, but is in fact only able to be understood because of Christianity, because we believe that there is a God who orders the world, that the world is intelligible, that we can test it and find things out about it, is only because of a Christian understanding of the world that the scientific method came from. We realize that in 1582, the Gregorian calendar, the calendar that we use today, was actually established by the Pope, who was taking recommendations from scientists because the calendar was getting off, and he was the only one who had the power and the authority to be able to change the calendar and and uh, establish it on something that would be more helpful for the whole world. We have often a stain in our in our uh, or a criticism of the Catholic Church is that the Galileo that we we uh, we imprisoned Galileo and that we you know hated science and that's why we you know, put away with him. But there were many scientists at the time that disagreed with Galileo and that there were more reasons than just his scientific uh, inquiry that that landed him in jail, that landed him in trial, and that it wasn't a hatred of science, but it was in fact a sincere uh, testing of science and that the Galileo controversy is not a controversy that that establishes that the Catholic Church hates science, but is in fact... uh, in fact, if you look into it, it's often used to attack Catholics, but is not much to stand on there. We look at our own uh, more modern era, that the United States or that the Catholic Church has always been a big proponent of education. In fact, in 1727, the first school for girls in the United States was actually established by the Catholic Church, by the Ursuline nuns. And that that school actually was the first school that allowed education of women of color. We look at over in Europe at about the same time, St. Vincent de Paul would have started uh, amazing works of charity in France that was suffering in so many different ways of poverty. We look at the 1800s when St. Daniel of Molokai, uh, that the modern world... Was, was discarding lepers to an island in Hawaii and that St. Damien was willing to suffer and willing to give his entire life to go and give those lepers some dignity and care and that nuns joined him. This was the Catholic Church. Why? Because it was important. Because by, led by Jesus Christ, that they acted in the world. We look at even more modern, that Mother Teresa in 1950 started her order of the missionaries of charity in Calcutta to serve the poorest of the poor. And how much the world needs these witnesses of importance. And how much of an effect it's had on our world today of being able to look and serve the poor in our community. We'll look at even our own community that we have a society of St. Vincent de Paul that's looked to in our community for service of the poor. It is a Catholic organization that is founded by following Jesus Christ by our faith that it's important that people people are willing to give and to donate to that. That the Catholic Church is the greatest charity in the world, with more money, more hours, and more local help than any other organization in the whole world. We look at also the effect that it has on education and primary education, especially here as we're celebrating Catholic schools, that there are 95,000 primary school, Catholic schools throughout the world, that 6,288 of them are in the United States. And that that includes about 1.68 million kids are in primary Catholic school. That there are... I have it here somewhere. Okay, there we go. (laughs) Can't read my notes. Um, And so there's also 5,500 hospitals, 18,000 clinics, 16,000 nursing homes. Most of those in the undeveloped countries that otherwise would not be served. But are served because... Of Christianity, because of Catholicism, because the power of Christ and his witness of his life impels us forth. But what about if that's not passed on? What about if the next generation doesn't know about Jesus Christ? What about if the next generation is informed in missionary ways in the way that the previous generation was willing to give their life to go and evangelize, to go and serve the poor in Africa, in Asia, in Hawaii, like St. Damien, like Mother Teresa. What about if it's not passed on to the next generation? It's not just going to be picked up. It's going to be abandoned. We ourselves are looking at a church that in many ways are in shambles. We don't have that good of a future in many ways. But there is hope. There's a hope because we have today. We have our history. We have today, we have the grace of Jesus Christ. We have the greatest story in human history that God Himself loved us so much that He was willing to become human and to suffer and die for us. Are we willing to live that story in our life, willing to make that important, willing to suffer for that so that we might pass it on to the next generation? Are we willing to weep and love and to continue to serve God and church with love and charity so that the next generation might know the love of God and might know the charity of the Catholic Church? We ourselves have much to be grateful for and much to give. And so let us do so, coming here to receive the grace of Christ, to go forth with Him always.